Bout. D-E-B-O-U-T. That'd be uh, Jared's grandmother. Uh, she had surgery, is in a lot of pain. If you would just keep her, keep her in prayer. And uh, with that, with her recovery, uh, pain had come down. Uh, if you would grab your Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Tonight. Just look, the light was green. Now the light is orange. That's what I get for that's what I get for checking that it was green and then trying to put it back on quickly. I bumped it. Sorry, Joe. First Timothy chapter one. So where we'll be. Verse number one. We'll pick it up there. 1 Timothy 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some have swerved, having turned aside on a vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient. For the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Uh, here's Paul. He's, of course, writing to Timothy, one of the preachers that he uh, trained and worked with and that he's uh, been a father too, and he's writing to him, and he's encouraging him uh, ultimately uh, to to stay this course that he's got that he's gotten on. Uh, you find out in uh, verse number six, from which have uh, some have swerved, have turned onto uh, turned aside onto vain jangling. Uh, these people, the warning is that he's given to Timothy is that these people have, uh, they've left where they're supposed to be. They've swerved, right? They've, they've made this sudden turn. And in doing so, they've gone after vain jangling. Uh, you say, what is that? That's a whole lot of noise with nothing really to it. Uh, no meaning, no substance, no, you know, they're just, it's just noise. It's just loud and boisterous and that's about it. Uh, and here you are, and you're looking at this thing, and, and they've, they've made this move, and they've done it quickly. That's a sudden change, a swerve, right? If you're going down the road, and you're on the highway, and something comes at you, and you swerve, right? That's a, that's a sudden movement. Uh, it's not something that happened gradually. It's something that they chose, and they jumped right into. Uh, and so that's what these people have done. And you get down to the end of the chapter, and the warning is ultimately... Uh, verse 18, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. 
holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. <laughs> of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Uh, the end result of someone who has swerved and has decided they're going to change, ultimately you find them at the end of the chapter, they've shipwrecked, right? That, that's not good, right? <laughs> they've shipwrecked, they've wrecked their life, but on top of wrecking their life, they also, uh, ultimately they've blasphemed, so that means they've, they've ultimately dishonored the name of God and they've talked and changed exactly who He is. They've made God look bad and... On top of that, they've put themselves in the position that the Apostle Paul is saying, I've delivered those guys over to Satan to destroy them. Let them, let them go. Uh, all from what, ultimately? All from, because they swerved away from, ultimately, doctrine. Uh, over and over again, you find Paul referencing good doctrine, sound doctrine, to have doctrine, if it's the doctrine contrary to what you've been taught, avoid it, uh, get away from it. All those things. He's constant. He is a constant reminder to Timothy and to Titus especially about doctrine. What we believe, what we know, what we hold fast as the truth of what God has taught us. The pertinent, the pertinent information that we hold dear and ultimately is lumped in with the, with the same statement of holding fast the faith and the profession of our faith. That's part of doctrine. Those are all those pieces. And the sad reality is we live in a world today where uh, people have decided to get away from doctrine. They, they preach preferences and they teach preferences and they, they've moved over to this idea of uh, finding another hobby horse to get on and ride that for a while and then I'll choose another one and another one and another one. Uh, I was just dealing with someone this week and uh, their pastor got up and preached, I guess. I guess somebody would call it preaching. Uh, but they went on a rant about how, uh, that's about as close as you're going to get. They went on a rant about, about Donald Trump and yelled about him for about 20 minutes. Uh, everybody in the room was pretty confused. <laughs> Where's this coming from? What is he doing? We're not a Christian nation. We're not a good nation. God doesn't like us. God hates us. And 20 minutes of that, looked around and said, oh, nobody wants to amen me? Okay, well, we're done. Prayed, closed the service, walked off. Sunday morning. You say, what is that? That is not sound doctrine. At, I don't know what that is, but that's not sound doctrine. Uh, I've, had, I've heard of guys, they get up, and uh, these, are, these are people that I know, all right? Uh, Thankfully, they, they've never preached here. Um, I, I know of a guy, he got up Sunday morning, walked in, very casual church anyways, walked in in flip-flops, pastor of the church. Could you imagine? Walked in in flip-flops and a polo shirt, stepped up and said, I didn't get really anything out of my Bible this week, so we're just going to have a song service on Sunday morning. Just out of curiosity, could you imagine that happening at a church that you attend? And you're like, whoa, 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 what? I, I couldn't imagine getting up and even admitting that if that happened to me. Like, uh, I didn't get anything. Well, I guess I better fake it or something. I better come up with something. Uh, 
Or as uh, one wonderful lady put it, if you can't preach, just let somebody else do it. All right. If you can't do it, get somebody else up there who's, who can do it. All right. Uh, but the truth is that is the world we live in. The world that we live in, the nation that we have, all those things. You know what? We're living in a day and a time where people are longing to just get the truth of the Bible. Doctrine. Uh, there's churches all over the nation. There's churches all over our area where sound doctrine doesn't even exist. And it is so important. It is important in our lives that not only that the preaching holds to that sound doctrine, not only does it stay where it's supposed to, but that we live our lives in that same doctrine and we walk in that as opposed to doing whatever it is everybody else is doing. And so oftentimes people have swerved and they may have done it suddenly and you may think that could never happen, but it's a swerve. It's quick. It's sudden. And it moves somebody often to the side and they're right into the weeds. Now, it's sudden to everybody else, but it's not sudden in their life. Most of the time, it's not a sudden reaction and they swerved. It was already working in their life on the inside. It just didn't show itself on the outside until that last moment. And that's how many things happen that way. That's how it looks. It looks like you and I both know the times when you have messed up the worst are the times where you were already doing things that were smaller that nobody else would have ever known. We failed in the littler things that nobody sees. And when it came to one of those big things, all of a sudden, whoop, it looked like to everybody else we swerved. But the truth is that you were already leaning that way to begin with. And that's the caution. The caution is that we can't have those things because the end of those things is shipwreck. The end of those things is destruction. The end of those things is not what we want it to be. Instead, look at verse, uh, look at verse 5. He says, The end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. Verse 5 is the result of good doctrine. You say, what is that? Charity with a good conscience and faith unfeigned. That's, that's the byproduct of good doctrine. The byproduct of good doctrine is good people. It's people who live their lives as Christians. You get taught the right things, you know what you gained? You gain doing the right things. When you know what to do and the growth that is there, we've been complimented as a church, not because of me, and because of my predecessors, because I'm one of the ones who became the fruit of the predecessors, right? Uh, the, the men in this church and the ladies in this church and even the kids that are in this church have benefited from good doctrine being preached for the last 40 plus years. That's the product. Uh, I had somebody say, boy, this church has a lot of, they call them mature Christians, meaning they aren't, they aren't whining and complaining like babies all the time. Uh, they're active, they're working, they're helping, they're doing something in the church. They want to be a part of the work as opposed to just letting everybody else do it. Uh, they like to be involved, even in just smaller things. And maybe they don't do the, you know, the big thing, or maybe they aren't, they're not preaching or they don't want to fill in or anything, but they just like having a part and a piece that they do something instead of just constantly taking. That's the baby. The baby is constantly taking. As you grow, right, we mature and we grow. The idea is that we start giving back some things to the Lord and to the ministry that we're involved in. 
And so the work continues. And that's only there because that is the product of doctrine being preached and taught and lived. But the things that pull us away are found here in this chapter. And uh, I'm going to, I know I spent a long time on my intro there, uh, but these are simple things that we can watch out for and simple things that we can attempt to keep out of our, well, especially out of the pulpit, but out of our lives in the way that we think and how we behave ourselves. So let's look and uh, just three things tonight quickly. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll look at it. Father, I thank you for the night and thank you for your, your word and your book. Father, we thank you for the doctrine you've given us and I pray you would not be, help us to not be like those that will not endure sound doctrine and help us not to be ones that'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and want to turn away from the truth. And Father, I pray you would just bless this church, help it to continue to grow and, and stand strong and stand fast in the doctrine and in the liberties you've given us. Lord, we love you and we pray you'd bless our night tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So first thing he says here in verse number, uh, uh, number three, he reminds him, right? I besought thee uh, to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Then he says this, verse 4, neither giving, give heed to fables. Neither give heed to fables. Uh, fables are wonderful stories with a moral conclusion, right? That's the fables, right? A fable is I can tell a great story and in the end all you got was a great story. I love illustrations. That's not what I mean. I like to illustrate. I mean, I gave, I, I, some of my favorite illustrations are amazing. Jim White was one of the best storytellers I'd ever heard. He was an evangelist and uh, loved the Lord. He had some of the best stories you'd ever hear. And he'd get done. And you know what was amazing about it? He would tell the story and I could tell you the story and I can tell you why he told the story. See, there it is. That second part is the, is the part right there. I can tell you why he gave me the example he was giving me. I was laughing one minute and crying the next, going, Lord, I'm sorry, I feel like a loser. Uh, why? Because he was so amazing. Uh, we have different preachers. I am not the best illustrator in the world. I do not even come close to claiming to be. Uh, I love a good illustration. I love hearing somebody who can give a good illustration. I try, I try to improve on that. But you know what? I would rather be... I would rather be somebody who can't tell a story at all but can give you the Bible. Uh, I'd take that any day of the week. Uh, the guy that can tell the great story, sometimes he gets overwhelmed with being really good at telling stories and you don't get anything out of the Bible. You've got to be watchful of that. You've got to be watchful that you're really good at anecdotes but you never give them any scriptures. Uh, that's, that's part of your own life. Uh, instead of going ahead and helping somebody see the truth of what they are doing and helping them learn how to grow. Instead of you learning how to grow and what the scriptures tell you, getting cool anecdotes and stories doesn't give you the same confidence. It's a fable. It's a story. It may have a good biblical ending, but it didn't give you what the Bible said about what you're doing. What we have in our lives, if you build up all the stories, you can come up with great illustrations and you can see the hand of God in the illustration. But you know what people really need? They need the real reason why. Why is that story true? Sure, it has a great moral ending and sure it'll stir my emotions and make me feel the way that you want me to make me feel. And you, they, they make you just 
weep or, or be elated with joy or what. They can push you to the emotion that they want you to have, but the scriptures give you the reason. Too many times we don't ever get the reason, we just get the emotion of the story. That's never going to be good. Because ultimately, you know what you can do? You can take the Bible and use it to say what you need it to say for the moment. I can take a story and take that story and make a message out of a story. I can do that. You get a really good illustration, you can make a really good story become your message and just put some Bible verses with it. I want you to know that's not preaching. Uh, you can ask all of, my, all of my preaching class students, that is a pet peeve of mine. I do not like a guy who goes ahead and gets a so that he can preach a message. No, get a Bible so you can preach a message and find a story. That's the way it works. In our lives, you know what we find? We find that we will gladly listen to fables so that we do not have to deal with the truth of what God said. I can come up with a reason that fable exists that does not link to a Bible. Well, you know, so-and-so, when they went through that, I think this is how they handled it. Okay, what does God say about how to handle that? We need, we need to get away from the story time and go ahead and get to the Bible and get our answers from there. The second thing he warns about in verse number four is neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Uh, endless genealogies. Uh, I was talking to a preacher not long ago, Brother Netterville. He had called me and we were talking a little bit, just catching up. Wanted to see how we were doing and uh, confirming our dates for next year and all those things. And, you know, he and I got talking and he said, hey, uh, brother, you got any uh, pastor friends around that you think would like to do the Bible handout stuff? And I said, well, you know, and I, I named a couple guys and I said, uh, and it's amazing that I get along with this person or this person. And he said, well, why is that? I said, well, you know, you know where I went to school. I said, what does that mean? I went to Ruckman's place, right? You know, the ever-present PBI, and that sometimes rubs somebody the wrong way. And, you know, you get the guys that went to Hiles, and then you get the guys that went to, you know, Bob Jones, and then you got the guys who went to PCC, and then you got the guys who went to Heartland, and then you got the guys who went to... You realize that we got pastors all over this area that they don't care where you went. And that's the way it's supposed to be. You know what endless genealogies references? It references where you went to Who are you associated with? Who are you linked up with? Well, if you're in the right camp, you know what you get. You get to be part of my crowd. And if you're in that crowd over there, we don't like you. And uh, I get tired of that. I went to a meeting one time, and uh, I, I, I love the guy. I really do. Drives me nuts, though. He shows up, and he's, he's, a Ruckman, he's a Ruckman guy, but he shows up to the meeting. The first thing he says to me after the meeting, we've both preached that night. We're at somebody else's house. The first question, the first statement ultimately he really made to me in a conversation outside of the church was, so uh, graduated from Ruckman school, right? I said, yes, sir. Yep, back there in 2006. Whew, a long time ago. And he said, uh, well, then I know what you believe. Let's talk about what we disagree on. 
I just thought, this is going to be a horrible conversation. Because number one, you just assumed that whatever I was taught, I just believe. Which is, by the way, not the case. Sorry to disappoint everybody. Uh, and then number two, you also just decided that we get to talk about all the things we disagree on at somebody else's meeting. I'm not really comfortable, but thank you. Uh, you see, people want to go ahead and they assume that whatever you're associated with, that must identify who you are. Uh, you're automatically, I apologize, you're all automatically identified as a Ruckmanite, but that was even with Pastor Legault, so you weren't stuck with it just because of me, all right? Uh, oh, you go to that church, and that's just how that is. And some people, you know, if you can never get past that, you'll never, you'll never get the benefits of being able to fellowship with people who don't have everything the same way that you do. You know, sometimes it's good to have somebody around you that has higher standards than you, even if they don't know why they have them. You say, why? Make you behave a little better. That'd do you some good. Uh, it might do you some good to have somebody around who likes to go door knocking more than street preaching. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean, they like to go knock on somebody else's door instead of going out on the street corners. You say, what do you need? Sometimes you need to do that a little bit more than you do need to go to a street corner. Sometimes that'll help you out. Why? Because, you know, both those situations are very uncomfortable for very different reasons. Sometimes you just need to be uncomfortable for a different reason than you're used to being uncomfortable for. It'll help you. It'll help you grow. Those kind of things help you grow. Do I think all those guys, not, not one of those guys that I named, not one of them had everything 100% perfect. And they... Most of them were godly enough to tell you that they didn't have everything 100% perfect, no matter what their graduates wanted to tell you. <laughs> and you'll find that no matter which school you go to. But the truth is, I have friends who went to Liberty. Good night. I can't even think of a worse Bible school to go to than Liberty. I mean, it is awful. They um, say, boy, you just called out. Yeah, it's okay. You're fine. It's fine. It's okay. Uh, they're completely contemporary they don't stand on a king james bible at all and their music is horrendous and still i'm friends with a guy who graduated from liberty i make fun of him and he hates it uh and he hates it more that he actually graduated from liberty he's tried to disassociate as best as possible uh you say well, what do you mean if you get hung up on that if you get hung up on well you're friends with so-and-so so i can't be friends with you or if you get, oh, well, you're friends with so-and-so, I better get close to you so that I can get. You know what you'll be? You'll be two-faced all the time. Maybe you need to figure out, guess what? It doesn't matter where they went. It doesn't matter who they associate with on some of those respects. It is, do they love the Lord? What do they believe? Do they believe like I believe? You know, there's guys that came out of some of the schools that you and I would never have associated with and they figured out that a Bible is the King James Bible. <laughs> they figured out that the music that they had before wasn't godly music, so they fixed their music. They figured out that they shouldn't be a Calvinist, so they fixed it. They decided they didn't need to be a Baptist brider anymore. You, you realize Dewey Stewart was a Baptist brider? That's what he was. He got out of that mess. Praise the Lord. Uh, why? He's one of my closest friends. I love Brother Dewey. And... You say, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say, if you go ahead and get one piece of information about somebody, you'll ruin the blessing if you can't figure out who they actually are. Quit judging a man by all the things that you think you know about him and go ahead and figure out what's true.
get to know the man. Brother Netterville and I, we shouldn't get along either. We shouldn't. But boy, oh boy, he's a great soul winner. He preaches the gospel and he is, he is solid on his doctrine. And he doesn't believe like his school taught him. <laughs> he doesn't because he believes the Bible. And he loves the Bible. He loves the Lord. He loves what You realize you would miss out on Bible handouts if I looked at it and went, oh, oh, he went there. Well, we can't have him in. <laughs> You'd miss out on some of these things. You know what you need to do? You need to figure out, guess what, Christians... Some of them are weirder. Some of them are weirder than you, all right? And that's saying something for some of us, all right? We're weird. But you know what? Some of them are a great blessing because they've got some things that you and I just, we don't have. And you get to learn. And you go, oh, hey. And sometimes you get to learn, well, that wasn't the greatest. But hey, you know, learn something. Take it. If their doctrine's good, you know what you can do? You don't have to separate. If their doctrine's good, you've got some things to work with. It's a wonderful blessing. I'm not getting all ecumenical on you, all right? I'm not telling you to go out there and find you a Calvinistic weirdo, you know, or some Pentecostal nut job to go ahead and join up with, all right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we've got perfectly good Baptists that are believing the book and doing the things, and don't just discount people because you heard something. Go ahead and find out. Why? Because that'll just minister questions. That's what that does, doesn't it? Oh, well, did you hear about so? What are you talking about? Get out of here with that. Stop it. Anyways, I'm gonna, I got to keep moving. And then he says, uh, he says in verse 6, from which some have swerved, having turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor what they, nor whereof they affirm. I love that little statement right there. You know what they do? Uh, they teach the commandments of God for the or the commandments of men for the commandments of God. I uh, say, what are they doing? Uh, they they desire to be teachers of the law. And then I love that little phrase right after understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. He goes, they don't know what they're saying, and they don't even know why they say it so adamantly, but they do. Uh, you know what'll get you in trouble? Thinking you know what's right for everybody. Your standards are not theirs. And it's not my job to go ahead and show up at your, at your place of work or at your home or even here at church and walk up and go, all right, well, Brother Andrew, your tie's a little crooked and you obviously hate the Lord for it. Like, right? It's not my job to be like, oh, well, you know, they were drinking, they were drinking Aquafina and we only approve of Poland Spring here, right? That's not my job. My job, although, I mean, anyways, um, right? That's not our job. My job is not to nitpick what you do and how you do it. My job, though, is to give you good doctrine to make you so that you can understand what's a good decision and what's a bad one. You know what good doctrine does? It teaches us what we should and shouldn't do as we continue to grow. We learn, hey, right? When we got saved, we had no idea. As we grew, we went, oh, I probably should stop that. <laughs> and other times we went, oh, I should probably start doing that. 
oh, hey, and we realize that some people haven't grown up yet. <laughs> and we go, hey, you know what I need? I need to have grace because other people don't know. Other people, they haven't figured it out yet. And I can try and bash them in the face with my Bible and tell them how horrible they are. Or I can let the Lord actually work in their life and go ahead and say, hey, you know what? You can grow too. Hey, and they start asking questions and you just get to answer. Give them enough time. You know what people will do? If people love the Lord, if they want to serve the Lord, if they want to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, you know what they will do? They'll grow. They desire it, they want it, they'll add and they'll start working and they'll start growing. And if they want to grow, you know what they will gain? They will gain good doctrine. You, you can't get around Christians long enough, or and you can't be around Christians and then not gain any of those things. If they're living right and they're doing right, you know what Christians tend to do? They tend to automatically give answers that they don't even know that they're giving. How many times have you been around somebody that's saved and maybe they were saved longer than you or maybe you didn't grow up in church, you got saved young, left and came back or whatever and you got around some people and they started talking about some things and you overheard some things or the pastor was preaching or somebody was teaching or whatever and you heard something and you went, oh, that's why we do that. Or, oh, that's why we shouldn't do that. And so you stopped or you started, Right? Just, you weren't asking about it, you weren't trying to figure it out, but God just kind of tossed you something and you went, hey, that's a pretty good plan. Hey, that sounds like I should probably get involved there. Or, hey, that, I should probably quit doing that. And you don't, you, don't have to have, you don't have to have somebody stand there and give you a list of do these things and don't do these things. I don't need to do that all the time. Could you imagine if my preaching was just, hey, you need to, this is what you need to wear and this is what you need to say and this is what you need to do and if you do anything outside of these little boxes right here, you probably hate the Lord and you're going to hell for all of eternity. That's horrible preaching. Why? Because they don't even know why they say it. By the way, we're not under the law, we are under grace. And the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, that was contrary took us, to us, God took that out of the way and nailed it to the cross of Jesus Christ so you and I didn't have to worry about making sure we dotted every I and crossed every T of the law. Now, it doesn't give us the liberty to go ahead and do whatever it is we want to, but it does give us the opportunity to walk in grace and understand that. And to know, hey, guess what? When you got saved, you and I... Do not, do, did not come, become more spiritual because we got more moral. If morals got you spiritual, standards got you spiritual, there would be a whole lot of more religious people more spiritual than you and I. But they're just as lost as ever. Do's and don'ts are great things, but they do not lend to good doctrine sometimes. <laughs> If you have good doctrine and you know what you'll come out with, good do's and don'ts. Because you'll figure it out. You'll figure out what does God love? What doesn't he love? What does God use? What doesn't he use? What can God bless? Well, what can't he bless? What's sowing to my flesh? And what's sowing to the spirit? Well, how do I do those? Good doctrine builds upon those. It gives you those answers. 
in your own life, you know what you can do? You can go ahead and try and have absolutely no liberty in Christ. <coughs> you can go ahead and try to heap command after command after command. And at the end of the day, you know what you'll say? Well, I read my Bible this many pages for this long, and I prayed for this long, and I said this many prayer requests, and I did all these things, and I witnessed to 12 people, and I gave out 42 tracts, and this is what I did today, and it was wonderful. And You still had no good communication with God, probably. Because you were just focused on, I just got to get this all done. <coughs> just getting it done doesn't make it spiritual. Actions do not make things spiritual. Does that make sense? Am I the only one? You can do a whole lot of spiritual, quote-unquote, things that are good. But that's what you get in the church in Revelation, right? They left their first love... The problem was not what they were doing. I know thy works, and how thou canst not bear them, the evil, and say they are apostles that are not as found them liars, and thy labor and thy patience, all the things. They were doing everything right, it looked like. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. They had everything good that they were supposed to, all their do's and don'ts were in order. But they missed it, because they were so focused on the do's and don'ts that they missed the one who told them what the do's and don'ts are. They missed him. And in doing so, you know what you'll do? You'll swerve from doctrine because you'll get overly consumed with the idea of do's and don'ts when it's found liberty in Christ Jesus. If you do not maintain sound doctrine, you know what you lose? You lose the product of sound doctrine. Verse number five, I referenced it earlier. He says, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. What have they swerved away from by getting away from doctrine? Well, they've lost the heart. They give out the wrong spirit and they misrepresent God. Their heart isn't right. If your doctrine's wrong, your heart won't be right. You won't love right. You'll let, you'll let the endless genealogies, you'll let all the other things get in the way, and you won't love people right. You'll let what they do or don't do get in the way, and you won't love them right. You'll, you'll get in the way of loving somebody the way you're supposed to. And instead, you'll taint your conscience. Because they sear their conscience. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Because they choose what they're going to do. Well, if I do all these things, if I have all these standards, if I keep everything in order, if I don't associate with those people, and if I have all these things, and if I can just make everybody happy and we can feel good, your conscience is seared. God doesn't get to talk to you anymore. And then, faith on faith. Do you know what you'll lose? You'll minimize the faith that people have because all they're listening to are fables. And if it's based upon your standards of who they should associate with and who they shouldn't, if it's based upon your standards of morality and goodness and how great things are supposed to be, then of course you know what will happen? 
people's faith will be minimal. They won't grow in faith. They'll err. They'll overthrow the faith of some. They'll walk away because you've set them up to fail. You know what sound doctrine does? And I'm preaching way too long and I'm sorry. But the truth is, sound doctrine, you know what it'll do for you? It'll keep your heart right. It'll keep your conscience where when you mess things up, you can go to the Lord quickly and easily. And it will increase your faith and the faith of others. Because good doctrine is provable. It's solid ground. It's sound doctrine. The ground that we stand on and the truth that we hold in the Bible is so apparent and so easy for us to get that it increases the faith of everyone around us as we stand upon it. I was paid one of the best compliments that I ever hear from someone who came to the Christmas play. That's one of the best compliments I think you can hear as a preacher. I got done preaching the gospel, and you know what I got? I got someone who came up to me and they said, you know, I could tell you believed every word you said right there. That's high compliment. <laughs> that, I'll take that right there. You say, why? I do believe every word. If, if Jesus isn't the Savior, we're in trouble. <laughs> if what we believe isn't true, we are in trouble. And when you proclaim it the way that you can proclaim it with great confidence and with great assurance that you are standing upon sound doctrine, you know what you will do? You will increase the faith of everybody else hearing you. And if you live your life knowing that you are walking in the doctrine that you have been given, you know what you'll do? You'll encourage somebody else to walk in the same faith in the doctrine that you have been given. It builds and encourages and strengthens the brethren by having good, solid, sound doctrine. Don't swerve. Don't swerve. Hold the course. We're in a day where the world wants you to flinch. Don't do it. Don't do it. Lord, I love you. Pray you would bless our night. Keep us all safe as we go. Lord, bring us back again. We pray you would once again bless our night. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a good night.